Welcome to Alton Baptist Church. Um, we're thinking today about Jesus as our good shepherd. Um, so I'm just going to read you something from a, um, to start us off to get us focused from a book that we're reading with Home Group called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. It's by Tyler Staten. Um, and I just thought it was quite um, relevant to what we're thinking about and quite a nice way of getting focused. So Jesus hasn't revealed a God we can perfectly understand, but he has revealed a God that we can perfectly trust. Trust is the certainty that the listening God hears and cares. Trust is confidence in the character of God. And I, I was thinking about something ND said at the beginning of this series, that if you want to know more about Jesus, you can ask all sorts of people and get different opinions and ideas. But if you really want to know about Jesus, look at the Gospels, look at Jesus himself. Um, so I, I just like that phrase, trust is confidence in the character of God. So let's just have a, a minute or two now just focusing on God, um, focusing on the fact that we can trust his character, um, the God who hears and cares. Thank you, Lord, that we know you're already here with us. We know we can trust you. Please help us to worship you, to hear from you, to learn more about you. We just pray that you would fill this place with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Because of the blood of Jesus, there we go. That we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand our weaknesses. But in Jesus, we have one who gets us. Because of Jesus, we can boldly go and come into the presence of God. So let us stand and let us boldly come to God just as we are. Just as we are. Let's stand and let us sing. Yes, Lamb of God, we come to you just as we are. Just as we are. Thank you, Lord, that we can do this. Thank you, Lord, that we do not have to pretend with you. You see our brokenness, you see our pain, you see our struggles, and you see our joy. And you are sufficient for all that we need. You are the source of life. You are the source of hope. You're the source of compassion and kindness. And so we come to you, Lord, just as we are, knowing that you receive us well. Help us to fall into your embrace, Father, in the way that we need to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so <clears throat> I remember years ago, it's scary how long ago it was now because I was in my early 20s. So just a few years ago, when um, I, I remember being sat at the back of church in Balaam. And I was wrestling with God that morning because it became apparent to me in that time that my idea of where I wanted to go and God's idea of where he wanted to send me were different. And I was wrestling with God, and I remember I, was, I said to him, I said, God, 
if my life doesn't go this way, I will not be happy, I said to him. I said, God, if, if, if the story doesn't go the way that I'm thinking, I will not be happy and there is nothing that you will be able to do to make me happy. And as I sat there wrestling with this, um, the worship leader brings us into that first song. And the first song is this one, which had the words, and it's only in your will that I am free. It's only in your will that I'm free. It's only in God's story, it's only in God's calling that we truly find what we are searching for. And so I don't know how you come this morning and what we are holding tightly to, whether it's our own ideas, our own plans, or our own pain. But as we sing, let us release ourselves, release our hopes, release our pain, Release our dreams to the one in whom we find true freedom in. So let us sing that song, Jesus, all for Jesus. And so I wonder, what are you holding tightly to? What are you holding tightly to today? What pain, what burden, what ambition, what idea? What are you holding tightly to this morning and what is weighing heavily on your mind? In this space, I just want to invite you just quietly where you are to hand them over to the one in whose will we are free just quietly in your spaces, just with hands open out and not closed. Just give it to Jesus. Give him the pain, give him the struggle, give him the distraction, give him the relationship, give him the thing going on at work, at home, Give him your gifts, your talent, your wisdom. Give him your idea of how things should be. Give him your football team. Just give everything to him. to have our reading now. So John 10, 11 to 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father, the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus, we thank you for the shepherd that you are. Not only are you good, but you are always with us. You are always by our side. You are always close. And you are more than able to take care of us. And you do that every day, even in the spaces, Lord, that we are not aware of. And so we thank you for the the good shepherd that you are. Open our ears and our hearts and our minds and our eyes to receive you well. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we'll continue, as Kate said, with Jesus as the I am, and today he reveals himself as the good shepherd. And we just, just want to dwell a little in that revelation of Jesus Christ as the Good Shepherd and what that means for us, what that looks like for us. In John 10, Jesus breaks it down in th- into three spaces. And the first space of the Good Shepherd is this. He says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. Jesus knows you. I don't know how you, whether that sounds encouraging this morning for you or whether that sounds like, oh dear, for you this morning. But Jesus knows you. Early days in Spurgeon's or just afterwards, there was this quote that was going around that I found funny but quite comforting. It says, When God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. And it was like, it was, it was, it was quite comforting to know that when God called you, he already was like, he knew where the, where the weaknesses were, he knew where the brokenness were, he knew when, where I was likely to be daft. And we're like, yeah, I know, I've made, I've made provision for that. But more to the point is, the, is that wonderful truth that there is nothing that you can do or say that Jesus will be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you thought that. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you're struggling to forgive that person. No. He knows each of us perfectly well. There's a line of a song that says, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness. My failures and flaws, Lord, you know them all, and you still call me friend. 
The shepherd knows his sheep. All right, there's this quote, which is quite teeny tiny, then I'll, I'll read it. It says, it's from Matt Chandler. It says, what made me love Christ wasn't that all of a sudden I started figuring out how to do life. What made me love Christ is that when I was at my worst, when I absolutely could not clean myself up, and there was nothing anybody could do with me, right at that moment, Christ said, I'll take that one. That is the one that I want. He knows his sheep well. And he loves his sheep well. There is no space that you can dwell that Christ would not still call you by name as his. And that's one of the wonderful truths of the good shepherd. But even, even deeper than that is that because he knows us, nobody's better place to tell us who we are apart from Jesus. There are different spaces in life that have tried to tell us who we are and what we are capable of. Parents, teachers, school, church, friendships, life experiences, they put names on us. They try and tell us who we are and what we are capable of. But only one person really holds that truth. And that is our shepherd. He's the one who knows who we are. The scriptures are filled with people who God comes to them and he says, this is who you are. And they're like, no, Lord, that's absolutely not who I am. From Abraham to Gideon to Sarah to Zacchaeus, many people who God says, you are this. And they're like, seriously? Some of them even laughed. But only to find out that God, of course, was right all along. The shepherd knows the sheep. You know, when, we, when we've had children and when we were younger, like when we think back to when you were young and at school, and you went to school, and school is filled with lovely people, isn't it? They're all lovely people at school. And, and you're there in school, and, and so, some, of, some people give you nice names, but mostly people are giving you names. They're not nice names, are they? They're like making up random names for you, you know, and names that are not very complimentary, right? And I remember when I was in, when I was in school, um, going through my teenage teenage years, and I had the, a, a little bit of an acne issue, a little bit of, and my face was like all covered up in spots. And I used to think that is how it would be for the rest of my life. And I remember my mom saying to me, I will pass. I was like, no, it will never pass. I'm always going to be ugly. But anyway, um, being in school, while my mom was a bit compassionate, you can imagine that the other kids at school were not so compassionate. And I had a friend of mine and who I used to move around with. And, and there was a guy I remember, he used to call us, I don't know if you ever watched, did you ever watch Super Ted here? All right, so he used to call us Super Ted and I was Spotty Man, obviously. And, and, but, and, but the reality is this, even though that was what he called me, 
when it came to what my name was, you know, when I came to you to introduce myself to you as a potential minister, I didn't say, my name is Spotty Man Ikwe. Because regardless of what that voice said, my name is the name given to me by my father. And regardless of what life tries to tell us, our name, who we are, is the name given to us by our shepherd. So when he says you are loved, when he says you are precious, when he says you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, when he says you are an overcomer, when he says you, are, you have his wisdom, when he says you have his spirit, when he says you are strong, when he says you are forgiven, when he says you are the righteousness of God in him, what he says is who you are. He is, Jesus, the name above all names, which means that what he says goes above what any other person says. We spend our lives, don't we, especially in this journey, feeling inadequate, feeling like we are not good enough, feeling like we don't deserve to stand in particular spaces or sit at particular tables. I remember once in, my, in, in the three years of the journey ministry, I remember once breaking down and saying to God, why do you want me? I was like, why do you want me? I was like, God, there are many other people out there who are better. We can spend our lives buying that lie. But the shepherd knows the sheep. And if he says, you, you I want. You are loved. You are chosen. You are the light of the world. You are victorious. You are perfect. Then he is right. The shepherd knows the sheep. Another truth about the good shepherd is that he is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. The wonderful thing, one of the wonder, a lot of wonderful things about Jesus, but one of the wonderful things about him is this. Jesus says concerning us that he is the kind of shepherd who would rather die than lose us. He would rather die than see any harm come to us. And he does exactly what he says. I came across a book a while back. Now you know that the Bible, right, and I promise you what I'm about to say to you is true, okay? It's not heresy. But you know that the word, the Bible, it doesn't, it, all it means is the books, right? It means a collection of books. That's what it means. And I came across a book one day and I thought, if you were to give this collection of books a title, I thought this would be a fantastic title for it. The title of the book was this. In the end, it was all about love. In the end, it was all about love. And I thought to myself, what an amazing title that captures the truth of the Bible. 
that everything that God does, everything that the good shepherd does is to proclaim his love for us. Everything he does, in the end, it was all about love. He chases us. He provides for us. You know, even that famous scripture, it says, for God so loved that he gave. For God so loved that he gave. The truth about the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep is this. The story is never about how good the sheep is. The story is about how good the shepherd is. The story is always about how good the shepherd is. When we begin any day, sometimes the temptation is to think that this day, this journey, this road, this calling is going to be dependent on how good I am. No. When Jesus draws us into his story, it is never about the goodness of the sheep. It is always about how good the shepherd is. There are many times, there are times, and I don't know if you find it yourself, do you ever find some times when you're coming to pray and you kind of feel like, oh, I don't quite feel like I can pray today. I don't quite feel like, I don't quite feel confident today to pray. I don't quite feel confident today to, to ask God for this thing or to, or to pray for someone. The other day we, we were in a, in a prayer meeting on Wednesday evening and we were all, we were anointing each other. We all felt like, oh, I'm so unworthy. So is, is, is anyone Elijah here? Where, where's Elijah to do the anointing? And you kind of feel like, oh, I don't, I don't feel so confident to come to God today. And I remember one of those moments when the Spirit was inviting me to pray and I was, I was feeling like, oh, but... I don't, feel, I don't feel so confident. And, and he said, well, why did you feel confident yesterday? What, what was it about yesterday that made you feel a bit more confident? And I knew it was a trick question straight away. I knew it was a trick question. Because obviously the only reason that we come confidently to God is Jesus. It is never about us. It is always about him. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And the reality is that it's not a one-time thing. You know, one of the things that the enemy tries to do is that he tries to make us feel like our shepherd is far away. Far away. I remember someone said that the reason the enemy shouts, and I don't know whether this is theologically correct, but it sounds very nice, so just listen. It says, it said, the reason the enemy shouts and God whispers is because God is close. He doesn't need to shout for us to hear. I mean, if I'm here, I'm not going to start shouting at Kate. Oh, sorry, Kate. <laughs> Point made. Um, I said the reason why the enemy has to 
make a big noise about himself is because he isn't the one who is close. The shepherd is always close to his sheep. He's always there. And Jesus is always laying down his life for us. I mean, how great must he love you, must he love me that we, you know, he invites us to put us, to put him at the center of our lives because he has put us at the center of his. The scripture tells us that he lives to intercede for us. How wonderful. You know that God is the creator. The enemy, Satan, he, Satan is not an original. He can't create. He's always still in people's lines. And so sometimes you can find yourself praying and you feel like, you know, do you ever find yourself praying and you feel like it's hitting the ceiling? Do you ever feel that sense of sometimes it just, it just doesn't feel like it's flowing? You know, and then the enemy, he, he can start stealing Elijah's line and saying, ah, maybe, maybe you need to shout louder. Maybe God is not really listening to you. Maybe God is angry with you. Maybe this, maybe that. And you're like, shut up, Satan. Elijah said that. Can't you be a little bit original and come up with your own lines? But sometimes he tries to draw us into this false reality of a shepherd who is distant of a shepherd who is far away, of a shepherd who only intervenes in our lives if we are good enough, of a shepherd who only invites us into his presence if we have been righteous enough. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It is not about how good the sheep is, Praise God. It is always about how good the shepherd is. Scriptures tell us because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. And Jesus says the good shepherd runs after his sheep. I love what Jesus says here when he says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. I must. I was having a chat with some of my um, Spurgeon colleagues earlier in the week. And um, one of us, she was, she, was, she was about to preach. Well, she's preaching today. And she had to preach on Romans 1. And she was a bit um, uncomfortable because Romans 1 is the one that talks about the wrath of God. And she was like feeling a bit unsure, but she was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really feeling this having to preach Romans 1. Because obviously in Romans, Paul, Paul talks about his theology and he, be, he builds this from Romans 1 till the end. And it was like, oh, Romans 1 in isolation is like, She's like, I know a lot of people have used the words from Romans 1 to paint this picture of God that says, God hates these people and God hates those people and God. And she was like, yeah, I don't. she was like, I don't, I don't know about preaching this. Romans 1 talks about 
the wrath of God. You know, what I've come to understand about the wrath of God, and I think even that is what Paul touches on in, in Romans. That's what Jesus touches on in some spaces in the Gospels, and we see it in the Old Testament as well. That perhaps the wrath of God is a point when God stops chasing after you. That's his wrath. When God says, okay, you can do things your way. I'll stop chasing after you. And we see it in the lives of the people of Israel in the Old Testament that so many times God is showing up saying, here I am, here I am, here I am, through his prophets, prophet after prophet after prophet, from Elijah to Elisha to Jeremiah to Ezekiel, here I am, here I am, here I am. And then at one point in the story, God says, okay, fine, you don't want me, I'll go away. The new covenant that we have in Jesus is that the shepherd never stops chasing after his sheep. God never stops running after us. No matter how far we go, no matter how much we get it wrong, no matter how much like Jonah we say, oh God, you want me to go this way? I'm going to go that way. The shepherd never stops chasing after his sheep. David, who penned those lines from Psalm 23. Let's go to David first. He says that even if I went and hid in the darkness, even there you would find me. There is no place that you will find yourself that the shepherd is not right there with you. The darkest places, the loneliest places, the most horrible spaces, the shepherd will be there with his sheep. Jesus says, doesn't he? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? There are many times when we are lost in our fears, lost in our pains, lost in our worries, lost in our struggles, lost in temptation, lost in defeat. The good shepherd never stops chasing after his sheep to bring them home to a safe space. The truth about the good shepherd, he knows his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. And he chases after us. There's something interesting though in John 10. In John 10, There are two characters that we see all the time. So Jesus begins John 10. He says that the sheep know my voice. I call them and they follow my voice. But then he says, but then there's a stranger's voice. There's a stranger's voice that's also calling the sheep. 
And then when he goes further in the middle, he talks about how I have come that they may have life and life in all his fullness. But he says, there is a thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then when he talks about the good shepherd, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But there is a wolf that looks to attack the sheep. Who is this other annoying character? Why is the wolf so obsessed with the sheep? We know why the shepherd is always with the sheep. We know that it's all about love. Why does the wolf care? Sometimes I'm sure if we, if we spoke to the enemy's line manager, whoever it was, he was like, he'll be owing him a lot of holidays. It's like the devil never takes any annual leave. Like, what is your problem? Why are you always here? Why is he always discouraging you? Why is he always so keen to drag you down? Why does the wolf care so much about the sheep? Maybe, just maybe, it is because if you believed, if we believed what God says about us, if we believed what the good shepherd says about us, if we got to the place of trust in the good shepherd, he would be in trouble. He would be crushed under our feet. The world will be transformed. To when the enemy tries to discourage you, take it as a compliment. When he tries to tell you that you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you're not, you're not this, you're not that, when he tries to put things on the road and in the journey to make life a bit difficult, let's take it as a compliment and give him the, not today, Satan, not today. Because he knows that who we are in Christ is much greater than he can handle. And he was worried about what would happen if God's people ever began to believe. Today, let us go on a journey. Let us commit in our hearts to believe in the good shepherd. To believe in who he says we are. To believe in his presence with us, for us every single day and to not worry about the roads that we find ourselves on too much because we know that even if we begin to drift in the wrong direction the shepherd will bring us back home so let us not live in worry or in fear or in anxiety but let us trust and live in the freedom that the truth is this, it's never about how good you are. It's always about how good the shepherd is. Of course, Paul would declare, he would say, shall we, be, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, it's not, it's not a sermon to say, so just go out and just 
do whatever because your shepherd is good. But there is freedom in knowing that it's not about me. I don't have to carry that load. It's about my shepherd and my shepherd is always good. Even our ability to be all that God has called us to be is about our shepherd. And so let us rejoice that he does not fail. And he will not fail. And let us put our trust in him. Amen. Amen. Let us pray as the worship team comes back. Let us pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are the one who lays down your life for the sheep. You're the one who knows us and calls us by name. And you are the one who chases after us. No matter how stubborn and resistant we get, you never give up on us. You always come chasing after us. Thank you for the freedom that exists in this truth. Lord, accept our love as you have given us yours. In your name. Amen. Amen. So we come to the table. And what does, what does communion tell us about who we are? What does the body of Christ and the blood of Christ tell us about who we are? They say that the value of anything is measured by what you're willing to give to have it. The value of anything is measured by what you're willing to give to have it. God was willing to give his own life to have you. It's not a generic you. It's you. What does that say about who you are? And so we come and we remember not only what Christ did, but what that means. And how do we respond to such love? The Christ on the night he was betrayed, he, he took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks, he shared it. This is my body for you, he says. And he still says the same thing today. I am available to you. I am here for you, with you. And that in the same way, he took the cup, he prayed over it, and he said, it represents the new covenant between God and his people. That now, there will never be anything that separates us from the love of God, from the grace of God, from the power of God, from the presence of God. 
and that we experience all this wonderful truth through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have asked us to do this always and remember you. I love a line that someone once said. They said that many drink to forget, we, we drink to remember. Lord, there are so many things that shape our idea and our belief about who we are and what we are capable of. But today, Jesus, as we take of the bread and the wine again and as we fix our eyes on you again, remind us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit of who you are and who we are in you. The good shepherd who lays down his life for his dearly loved sheep. Help us, O Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Invite Bill, Lorna, and Kate to um, take the bread and wine around. And please just hold on to the bread, hold on to the wine. We'll eat and drink together. Um, and as this goes round, there would be a video playing. Hopefully, Joe, can you help with the light, please? And um, yeah, watch and listen and hold on to the bread and wine, and we would do that together. The truth is still the same. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Let us eat and drink and believe. Yes, Lord, we believe. Help us to overcome our own belief. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.